What is up, good people? Welcome back to Holy Shit Pod, a holy, irreverent, irreverently holy conversation about spirituality, culture, and the world. I am the first yes, member of the are. unholy trinity that makes up this podcast, yeah. the Reverend Brandon T. Maxwell. New Year, same you, baby. Damn it, I was hoping it'd be a new year, a new you. We could definitely use a new you, Brandon. Trash. I'm just saying what people are thinking. No one is thinking of this. No one's thinking of this. People mm. love me. Sam, were you thinking it? I'm not asking his opinion. I was not thinking it because I have no hope for a new Brandon. <laughs> I, I should because who I am in Christ is who I shall always be. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, your stubborn ass ain't gonna never change. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still here serving as your resident token white woman, Karen Teresa Ricks. And you can still call me Katie. Or COVID. <laughs> You're and, I, and I'm the most important member of the Unholy Trinity, also known as your actual favorite host. We, we've we heard from many of you that that is the case. Pastor Sam. That's not true. Happy New Year, good people. Let's get into it. No, sir. Still. Um, still sorry. out of order. Bad, I, we, we do need a new year, new you. Sorry. We do need a new sorry. year. Happy new year, indeed. Or is it? I mean, because it's like 2020 times three <laughs> or whatever year it is. It's something. Today's Word of Pod is all about how we can prepare for the end times. I mean, the endemic times. That's right. It is time to start preparing our spirits for the next phase of the COVID-19 crisis when the pandemic reaches endemic status. Said differently, when COVID-19 moves from being the hottest trend at New York Fashion Week to last year's lightly used fashions that you can procure for the low, low price of $10 at your local Play-Doh's closet. And if none of that makes sense, keep listening. It'll all become clear soon and very soon. But before we go to see the king, we've got a few church announcements for the good of the congregation. So buckle your seatbelts, good people. We back and better than ever. Katie, what black funerals you been to? (laughs) I I don't know. I just turned the song. Katie was singing soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. They put that in glory to God. Oh, is it? (laughs) She was singing the black version. I only know it that way. You know, white people love Andre Crouch. <laughs> white people love Andre Crouch. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, y'all love Andre Crouch. White people love him. He was on TBN, praise the Lord, whatever channel oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. You're with right. all the white people surrounding him singing soon and very soon. Oh, yeah. Well, good morning, Saints. We are so glad you have joined us once again here at the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for all the Saints and the Aints. It feels like we've returned to the house of the Lord after a long pandemic hiatus. You know, just sitting here in the pews, socially distanced, not hugging each other, masked with N95 or KN95 masks, also known as kind of N95s, because <laughs> no matter how you slice it, they never feel as suffocating as the real thing. Why are you like this, Brandon? He already warned you that he hadn't changed. New Year, same Brandon, right? Oh, he did say that. Katie, I need you to leave this in because this is a note for the people. We do not script all of the episodes, but there are certain portions that we do. And you may be able to tell by Katie's vocal inflections when she is reading because she either undersells it or oversells it. There's never an in between. (laughs) Give it again, Katie. Try one more time. He already warned you that he hasn't changed, Sam. <laughs> Isn't that right? New Year, same Brandon. That's how I would say if we were sitting in a room together. New Year, same Brandon. That's not what I sound like because my voice is deep right now. 
Because you got COVID. <laughs> Please COVID corner. Bronchitis. I got bronchitis. <laughs> New Year's say, Brandon. I I just love it because like you get into it and you and it's like, oh, Katie is like trying to sell it. Like you acted. I love it. It's so precious. So you thought I was overselling it the last time. Overselling it, yes. And the thing is you over enunciate the words. He already warned you that he hadn't changed. New Year's same Brandon. But do you know you're supposed to enunciate so that people can understand you? Thank you, Katie. I appreciate your stage direction. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I really do. Back to the script. Do, do your line again. Believe all this in. Leave it all in. So people know that we're spontaneous. He already warned you that he hadn't changed, Sam. New Year, same Brandon. New Year, same That was too Brandon. low, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep all this in. Just call me Genuine, baby. I'm the same old B, even though I got my own CD. Maybe even on TV. Wow. Sam, Sam. <laughs> I can only be me, me, me. All right, Sam. Even how are you? I got my own CD. I'm on mute, Brandon, right now. Please. Hey, Sam, how are you? How is your new year going so far? I really don't know what you mean by new year. This is like 2019 times three. <laughs> As Brandon said, 2020 times three. I like part three, actually. Part three. Because, this is part three. Because that may, I think right? that's funnier. Because the first two parts didn't work. But when did this thing start is my question. March 2020. Well, I mean, here in the U.S. It felt yeah. like it was March 2019, but keep going. I'm sorry. Technically, it started at the very end of 2019. It's really like we're in 3rd John. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, like, sounds a lot like 1st John, uh, but not as good. And you can't figure out why he's still writing as none of them are as good as the gospel of John. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> I understand. Better yet, it's like Matrix. Resurrections, you know, trash. Why are we still here? Why is there another Matrix coming out 50, 11 years <laughs> after? No one asked for this. We were Nobody. done after the first movie, seriously. So that's how that's how I feel about the pandemic. I was. <laughs> well, so it's a new year, same you, right, same Sam? Mama. I see. <laughs> well, happy new year, Katie. How's your new year going so far? Oh, were you waiting on somebody to ask you that? Because we can if you need us to. Well, happy new year, Katie. Katie, how's your new year going so far? How's it going? Thanks for asking, Sam. Christmas was just such a wonderful break. And Nobody cares. Why is he like this? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us. We're eager to learn. I had good time with family and got to spend time with my brother and got to really take a break and not think about anything unrelated to enjoying life. So it was good. I'm glad your New Year's off to a good start, Katie. I don't feel like it's actually New Year. I'm with Sam. It feels like junior year, like <laughs> of high school. Like we did our freshman year. We did our sophomore year. We're getting the hang of it. And it's almost time to graduate. Like right when I have mastered the pandemic slash high school, now it's time for me to get ready for like college, which is a whole yeah. nother beast. What's next? Fluenza? Florona? <laughs> it's influenza. It's Florona. Florona. Flo, Flo, somebody gonna name their child Florona. There's probably a few people named that already. Did y'all know that Archbishop Desmond Tutu died yes. on Christmas? It messed me up for yeah. real. Oh, Christmas! Yes. It, I'm pissed about it. I'm mad. Yeah. So, for all of my fans out there... For two of you. For all two million of you. One of the things that we do, uh, my family does during Christmas, is a 
cake contest, a bake-off. Me, my sister, and my mom. It's the great Christmas bake-off. It's amazing. We've done it seven times. I've won four. My sister's won three. My mom doesn't really decorate cakes that, that well. At all. So I'm going to tell you, Brandon calls me or messages me the after Christmas, after the bake-off, and after Bishop Tutu dies. And he says to me, <laughs> you need to tell your mom not to participate in this cake bake-off because her cakes look horrible. That's so rude. Why would he say that? And I'm just like, oh, wow. And then maybe about a couple hours later, he says, did you hear Bishop Desmond Tutu die? And I was like, yeah. He says, your mom's cake killed him. She had whole pecans on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he had a piece of jokes. <laughs> And he said she choked on one of the pecans. He said Bishop Tutu choked on one of the pecans from your mother's cake. And he died. It was a large pecan. <laughs> you are horrible, Brandon. So I want I want all of my fans to know what I'm subjected to by this monster. You did win this year, right? I did win. Even though it didn't look as pretty as your sister's. Shut up. It tasted better. It's about taste. They count taste double. He had a peppermint red velvet cake Peppermint chocolate velvet. Isn't red velvet chocolate anyway? You obviously don't know shit about bacon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yes, my sister's cake looked amazing. It was. But the taste felt extremely flat. Well, I didn't mean to trivialize... Desmond Tutu's passing with your mother's large pecans. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed for hours. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about Bishop Tutu passing in like next week's episode, maybe the week after next, but he's coming up a little bit later. We still need time. I still need time to process it. And also Bell Hooks died over the holidays as well, which like really took me out. So we're going to talk about that and Betty White and Desmond Tutu and everybody else who's been dying in this pandemic. Well, I don't know about bell hooks, but Tutu and Betty White been dying for at least a couple of decades. (laughs) Enough of that. Please open your bulletins and follow along with our church announcements for this week and prepare to govern yourselves accordingly. Announcement number one, calling all youth, calling all youth. The youth worship leader who is like Miley Cyrus, maybe, would like to meet with all of you immediately following today's pod. They would like to teach you the following song. Fade it out. Fade it out. Fade it out. Fade it out. Enough of that. Enough of that. Enough of that. That's right. Next week, you all will lead us in worship as we tell Pharaoh to let all of the people go so that we can get the hell out of this plague-demic. What am I talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Last week, residents of East Texas started the new year off right by traveling back to ancient Egypt and reliving a 21st century version of the plagues that rained down on Egypt when Pharaoh enslaved the children of Israel. It rained fish, y'all. Yes, you heard correctly. It rained fish. The Dallas Morning News reported... 
It's not funny, but it kind of is. The Dallas Morning News reported that a rare <laughs> phenomenon occurred in Texarkana. First of all, who named it Texarkana? A city on the northeast border of Texas and Arkansas. It seems logical. Texarkana. It's a mixture. It's like black people do their kids' names. Thomasina. Melvina. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Katie, don't laugh at that, Katie. I was Katie, laughing at the Texarkana. Katie, the Dallas. I was not laughing at people's names. Nope, I was not. <laughs> the, the Dallas Morning News says residents were asking, "What the fish?" <laughs> Multiple <laughs> Texarkana <laughs> residents on Wednesday reported finding small fish that had fallen from the sky during a storm and shared video and images. Images through social media. Reports said that the phenomenon can occur when water spouts pick up small marine life, such as fish or frogs, into the sky before they are dropped below. But here's where the plague comes in, Pharaoh. There is no evidence of water spouts or severe flooding in Texarkana that explains what was reported last Wednesday. It's a plague, y'all. It's literally the plague. It is. I just got one question. If it's a 21st century version of the plagues, who's Pharaoh? <laughs> Do you really want me to name Pharaoh? Because I got a few people mm-hmm. I can name who need to get out of their seats of power. There's <laughs> plenty of people. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Who's Pharaoh? Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Tell us. Tell us. I would just say in general, anybody in any space, in any <laughs> position of power who shouldn't be there, and you know you shouldn't be there. Sit down so that we can get out this plague-demic. This is definitely the plague. Because it's fish, I don't think it's the plague. Because, I mean, if it was frogs, if it was something else, like, it's fish. Like, black people, we gonna gonna fillet that bad boy and we gonna drop it in some grease. That's what I was just thinking. But they're small. We gonna have a plague party. You know what I'm saying? That's how you know that the Egyptians was white. They have no plague. <laughs> I know they was on the African continent because if they was black, they would have pulled off them frog legs and they would have started eating them. <laughs> Listen, we've been taught to make the best out of a bad situation. You're like, plague? What plague? These frog legs, good as hell, you know? <laughs> Fish rang down. We was like, manna? Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, you did it again. You know, that's, that's what we... <laughs> Katie, does this read as a plague to you? I would go with yes. I mean, I appreciate what you said, Sam. And I was thinking about if we could fillet those fish as well, but... It was baby fish. They're little baby fish. And I was I was struck by that part about how the um, the meteorologist looked and there were no downspouts. I mean, how does, how does that stuff happen? It's a plague. I'm trying to tell you, that's the only logical explanation. It's a mystery. It was God. It's a plague. So do we have proof that the fish actually rained down? We just saw the fish on the ground. There's video. I haven't seen the video. I would love to see that. For the record, it wasn't ever like thousands of fish raining down. It was just like a few at a time. It was like five. (laughs) No, it was like a little baby school of fish, like maybe 20 or 30 or something. Exactly. It's enough. That's enough. Now, that is enough for us to be like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) All I'm saying is if you let some fish fall down in front of my house... On any day. Right. I'm calling get a plague. And if you don't know what a plague is, read the Bible. <laughs> In other news, last Tuesday, the final season of Blackish started with a bang. My forever first lady. Laura Bush. You better stop. You better stop. <laughs> the episode gave us 21 minutes. Rosalind Carter. <laughs> you stop. 
<laughs> you stop it. She was too tiny in that photo. You will not. Oh, giant Joe and Jill. <laughs> Jimmy and Rosalind. You can't be shrinking and be my forever first lady. You cannot be small in your photos. My forever first lady, Michelle Obama, was a guest star on the first episode of the final season of Blackish, and the entire cast gave us 21 minutes of Black family realness, or should I say Blackish family realness. I don't know. I just really um, have appreciated the show Blackish because it felt like it came to be in a time where we had a resurgence of good quality Black television. And so it represented for me, especially when Kenya Barris was the producer, the, the showrunner before they got rid of him because he was being too Black and they were doing things like their Juneteenth episode and whatnot. Like the show had so much power and potency and it allowed us to have a conversation about what it means to be Black in the 21st century so that our only images are of a Black family aren't like the Cosby show. Because they canceled Bill Cosby. Are they free? Would I be one of those white women if I jumped in here to say a little bit? Yes. Of- I don't even know what the end of that sentence was going to be. But any sentence that starts with, would I be one of those white women? The <laughs> only answer to that, Katie, is yes. Yes, you would be one of those white women. So even though you may be one of those white women, Karen, I'm really intrigued. Will you finish your sentence? <laughs> what do you have to say about blackish? I was just going to say, it's a really good show. I mean, my mom used to watch it and I would sometimes when I had time sit down and watch it with her. (laughs) Why are you laughing at me? I used to watch it with my mom. Like it was out when you were six. (laughs) I used to sit down and watch it with my mom. But but what I liked about it is, you know, the father, and I don't even know the names of the characters, but the father was talking to the son about what it's like to be. I don't even know these black people's names, but they make me laugh. I love them so much. <laughs> the dad's name is Dre and the son's name is Junior. They're so black. Right. So I remember one time Dre was talking to his son, Junior, and Junior had experienced some kind of microaggression or bullying or something at school. And Dre was like, talking to him about what it means to be black in America. And for white people, it's interesting because we can overhear the conversations of black people dealing with us. I mean, I watched the Juneteenth episode last night because um, the articles that I was reading about the show and the interviews, they asked Anthony Anderson, what were you most proud of in this show? And he said the Juneteenth episode. And so I went and watched that. And and it was a great way of integrating humor and history and knowledge. Was, wasn't that the episode where they did like the We Built This song? How does that? So there were two episodes that stood out to me. It was basically like a black spoof of Hamilton, the musical. Uh, so when we were having a Hamilton wave, mm-hmm. I might say, you know, like a COVID wave, we we're having a right. Hamilton wave of people loving the show again. They did a musical episode wherein they were talking about black people's role in history that's often uh, erased. And they had an entire musical number that looked like it could have been on the Hamilton set. Interesting. With the black folks singing, we built this over and over and over again. You can look it up on YouTube. They may have removed it by now. But to your point, I think that when Kenya Barris was the showrunner, and this maybe has to do with why he left, the show sat in this really interesting space where I think it was intentional about letting white folks over hear the conversation, but not actually trying to educate you. If you chose to tune in, then you might learn something. But if you just watch it as a black person, it felt like a true authentic expression of a particular black experience in the same way that Insecure or Awkward Black Girl with Issa Rae felt like a reflection of a California West Coast black woman's experience that we don't frequently get on television. So you're able to overhear it, but it's not targeting you. Whereas I 
I think some shows like the Cosby show actually did target predominantly white audiences because it knew that it needed that white audience in order to continue on the air. And I do think that that's also why Kenya did leave. From my vantage point, the show was becoming increasingly intentional about celebrating Mm -hmm. Black people the longer that it went on. And ABC wanted something that could appeal to a broader population. So they brought in a new showrunner who could toe the line a little bit. I mean, it happens with every great Black show, in my humble opinion. I think all the way back to Good Times. Temporarily Good Times. You had John Amos. Was it John Amos? John Amos. John Amos was kind of the character who was like, I'm tired of y'all uh, leaning into JJ, mm-hmm. the guy that did uh, Dynamite. Dynamite. Because you're making fun of black people. I need this show to have more substance. And so you started the show off with the militant midget with the youngest member of the household going to protest, protesting poverty, protesting capitalism, protesting anti-blackness. And those were the primary themes of the show. And the more that it, the show was popularized, th- those things weren't as much on the forefront as much as JJ's antics were hollering Dynamite. And so I think you had that tension with Blackish as well, where in one once something reaches a certain type of uh, critical acclaim, hmm. they want it to reach a broader population and want you to whiten it up to make it easier on certain white ears. Hmm. So they're trying to whiten blackish. Wow. And now it's gone. This is the final season, unfortunately. Sam, did you watch Blackish? I watched some of the early episodes. I haven't caught up. I've been watching more white shows. You trying to get involved in white supremacy a little bit more? Yeah, I'm trying to understand it so I can defeat it. <laughs> it's wrong. It's bad. It's the devil and it's a liar. But God is exalted. And for our final church announcement, in keeping with our theme of plagues and end time events, whoever was responsible for smearing blood over Betty White's door needs to be fired immediately. You know, Amen. how they get the blood Amen. on the door. So the, the, so the, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wasn't she 1,278 years old? <laughs> you know what? Why you got to be making fun of Betty White? Nobody had to smear anything over her door. It was her time. <laughs> you will not do this to Betty right now. She was 17 days away. She was one century. No, not yet. No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. <laughs> she was 99 and 49 weeks. That's right. Wait, you ain't finna come on here and make it seem like somebody caused Betty White to die when she served in the First World War. It's the theme. It's the theme, Sam. It's the plague. These are the plagues that are falling on Egypt and America. And you, you got to read your Bible, Samuel. It wasn't a plague. Bill Hooks, Desmond Tutu, Betty White. You named three people that were collectively 500 years old. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> you will not but see so here's the thing like Robert Dole died and I was like I didn't know this man was still alive you just added 200 years to the uh... <laughs> I'm not gonna do this with you Sam my brother texted me cause he saw it first and I was like I, wait I thought she was immune from death I didn't think it was possible I've honestly been waiting on her to die and not not to say that I didn't smear the blood he was it he was responsible it was you she had her 95th birthday. I think I said to somebody, oh, we're going to lose a national treasure when Betty White dies. But I knew it wouldn't be long because not that many people living beyond 90 these days. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know it, she had to die and I was okay with her dying. But she was within three weeks of her 100th birthday. Now that was sad. Yes. All we had to do is get somebody to put the blood on the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over her house like he passed over everybody else's yep. house who smeared the blood on their doors. She was like, I'm out. The death angel was like, there is no more firstborn in your household because everyone else is dead. You're it. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, she could have been like Marla Gibbs at that uh, Hollywood star ceremony because Marla Gibbs died up there. 
Y'all saw Marla Dish was about to die. She grabbed that podium and would not let go. She said, no, God. Uh-uh. She, she looked like Jacob. She wrestled. She said, no, no, not yet. She was like, Hezekiah, God added 15 years. And Tisha Campbell said that Titty Lamont Bullshit. Tisha can't pray. People have posted so many things, but what I one of the things that I really like is um, this cartoon or meme or something that said, you know, live your life. So if you die at 99, people think it's too soon. You know, she was doing things as a woman at a time where that wasn't allowed and, you know, running programs, setting up a production studio. Right. What? No, I was agreeing with you. Oh, whew. that happened so rarely, Sam. No, I was agreeing with you. And you have first, like, didn't y'all go to second grade? Did y'all, <laughs> wasn't y'all in the uh, same primary <laughs> school? I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying, so you know, you know what she contributed. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even talking to you anymore. <laughs> I love you, Katie. But I, Katie, I agree with you though because I think like she was 99 years old and I was waiting on her to die too, honestly. I was just like, this is going to happen. It's going to happen soon. We prepare, our, prepare your soul. And she's the last of the golden girls to be alive. So they're all truly living their life like it's golden on the golden paths of heaven. Living my life like it's golden. Living my life like it's golden. I feel like Heaven's Choir saying, thank you for being a friend. When she got there. Travel down the road and back again. So you started from the top, bottom name. Mm-hmm. So yeah. hard is true. You're a pal and a confidant. What's that song? I'm thinking when I think about Betty's death, I think about is it the Hezekiah Walker song that says, Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred. She didn't get there. <laughs> the truth is. <laughs> <laughs> You going to hell. You are going to hell. But disrespect and being away. Ninety nine and a half won't do. <laughs> it was ninety nine and seven eighths. Lord, I'm running. I'm sorry. Y'all I saw don't put a all tic- of this I, crazy stuff. No, it's got to go in. This is hilarious. <laughs> I saw a TikTok where uh, someone was playing God, and the angels came back to God and said, "God, we got that one. That we we got Betty White." And God said, "What you mean?" I told you to get the queen. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe you sent us to get her two weeks before her 100th birthday. And God's like, the queen's nine to five. And God was like, what you, what? She's 95. She going soon. Now that's the tea right there. Whatever Bitter White was doing, the queen should have been doing because the queen looks every bit of 200 and Betty White, Listen, she looks about 99. We gonna be, she, Within the next five years, we're going to be having the same conversation about the queen. I'm just going to let y'all know. It's going to happen sooner than that. Betty White was the equivalent of our national treasure. I don't know if the queen still holds that status. But she was also actively engaged in activism for, I mean, supporting gay marriage. and Who, who are you talking about? The queen? Definitely not the queen. Oh, Betty White. Okay, okay. She's supporting and empowering Black people. And so she had a dancer, a tap dancer by the name of Arthur Duncan back way early in her career on the Betty White show. And he was on the show as just one of the people who came on and 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 did something, but she was wonderful. So she kept asking him back. And there were people saying, we're not going to carry the show. We're not going to have it. And she's like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I think Arthur Duncan became a regular on her show and then was hired for the Lawrence Welk show, which I mean, is questionable, but he was there for 20 years. And he said, I credit Betty White for really getting me started in show business. People in the South, some of them resented me being on the show and wanted me thrown out. And it was never a question at all with Betty White. 
So he he literally was the first person that said to Betty White, thank you for being a friend. Aww. To that point, Katie, I think that's what I always appreciated about the Golden Girls and other shows in which all of those cast members were involved. They were always on, I might say, the cutting edge or the bleeding edge of addressing social issues. Like I lived a pretty sheltered life. Um, my parents wanted to inculcate me from all of the things that were like queer, feminist, or anything that like reeks of progressivism. I think because their faith suggested that those things were anti God, anti-faith. And so like growing up, I didn't have access to those shows in the same way, but to see that in the 80s, in the 90s, there were people who were pushing the envelope with these conversations and topics. If you watch the first episode of The Golden Girls, they were far too progressive for their times. There was an openly gay housekeeper as part of the cast. Granted, when there was so much pushback against that character did go off to the sidelines, but the themes that were addressed over the course of the entirety of that series were quite progressive and did a lot for the way that we understand the world today. The last thing that I want to say as we wrap this section and get ready for our word of pot to talk about the real plague and pandemic slash plague-demic is Betty White, she did look every bit of 99 by the time she died and... I still think she she looks good because white people typically age far worse than what their actual age is, a.k.a. look at Queen Elizabeth. And I figured out what her secret was. I read several articles that highlighted that she loved her liquor and she had a drink a day. And I feel like I'm trying to honor her legacy <laughs> by doing the same. You doubling up on it. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say what I do appreciate about Sister Betty um, is the same thing that I appreciated about Sister Cicely is that they worked up until like the very end. Like they were still acting. They were still delivering. They were still making people laugh. They were still producing. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, we should have this mentality that we're going to go until, you know, the very last breath. But it speaks about how much they loved what they did, yeah. how passionate they were about um, the life they lived. And they lived it to the fullest and they lived it all the way up until the very end, even if it was a thousand years. Yep. On that note, we um, are going to talk more about Betty White and Bell Hood and Desmond Tutu in the next couple of weeks. We have maybe a series of conversations about what we do when heroes die and how we honor those people and their legacies and live in the wake of them. We're going to talk about that probably on Martin Luther King Day. I'm tired of talking about Martin Luther King every single year and y'all still doing the same white supremacist stuff that doesn't honor his legacy. Oh no, we're going to talk about King. We're going to talk about him, but I'm saying I'm tired of having the conversation about that puts him in this space wherein He's a hero and he's a national treasure. And so we sanitize their messages in order to keep doing evil. Oh, you know white gone white. Well, that's the truth. And I think that might be something to talk about in the wake of Bell Hooks, Desmond Tutu's death, and maybe even Betty White, even though her last name is White and her face is white as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this with the word of pod for the people of pod. Thanks, Thanks be, be to pod. pod. You're not going to say thanks be to pod, Sam? I'm a, I'm a conscientious objector. Trash. Hey there, pod friends. It's good to be back in the swing of things. As we kick off the new year, we want to hear from you. So we're conducting a brief listener survey. Check out today's show notes to access a link to the survey. Click on it and take three minutes to let us know how you're liking what you're hearing and what you'd like to hear in the future. You can also email holyshit at theolabmedia.com to give freeform feedback. Again, the link to the three-minute survey is right there in your show notes. Just click it now and complete it as Brandon drones on during his Word of Pod opening. Katie, 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 Katie. Yes, Sam. I, I have a question. Do you want everyone to complete the survey right now? Well, yes, I do, but this isn't about me, Sam. Katie, Katie, Katie. What if they're driving? What if they're... <laughs> 
nursing the child. How insensitive are you? Listeners, please don't text and drive. Please do not drop your baby. Please continue to nurse your child. Just complete the survey at your convenience, please. Ideally, before the end of the day, so you won't forget. You're ridiculous. He is ridiculous. Well, I guess it's time for me to drone on about, you know, the word of pod opening. Jesus. You know what? I hate y'all. We can go take a break now. Get some food. Gosh. I think people appreciate being grounded in our episodes and knowing where we're heading. But I was actually going to hand it off to you since today's word of pod is essentially Katie's COVID corner or Katie's COVID cough mm-hmm. slash bronchitis. <laughs> it is bronchitis. I got bronchitis. Since the last time we've been together, the Omicron variant that originated in I believe actually in Europe, somewhere in England, but was called the South African variant because that's who discovered it first. And there are all kinds of dynamics we can talk about there. But the Omicron variant is now the predominant variant all around the world and is taking over the United States and countries around the world. So we wanted to take some time to think about the pandemic, the plague-demic, and what it means for our lives together. We're hearing now more and more that Omicron may actually help push COVID-19 from pandemic status to endemic status, perhaps sooner than what we thought. Does that mean the end of the pandemic? Mm-mm. It does not mean that Christians, the endemic means it's the equivalent <laughs> of influenza, right? So influenza or the flu right. for which most people, many people get an annual shot. It's going to reach that status. So endemic means it's just something that we live with, something that we can manage. It doesn't cause national crises, but we know that every single year, every six months, I mean, right now, people who get the booster, they're saying it's affected for 10 weeks. So we're likely going to need another booster. They're saying at least 10 weeks. 10, 10 weeks? Or 10 months. I saw weeks, but I could be correct. Oh, that seems short. Oh, shit. My 10 weeks are almost up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure mine is. If we don't see a lot of new variants or progressions in the way the virus has formed, we may be at a place where we do reach endemic status because we have so many folks vaccinated, a larger percentage of folks getting boosted, and then an increasing portion of the population will actually have some sort of herd immunity based on being infected with COVID-19. Katie, I know you read about this every day when you're not in California, what other updates or key sort of things should we be mindful of as we start this conversation about the endemic of times? Right. Well, the first thing I want to say is once it becomes endemic, maybe everybody will get a COVID shot like they get the flu shot. But right now, it's apparently not interesting for people to get. So we had really low numbers through December. I mean, even through Christmas, everything shot up about four days. I mean, ironically, who would have guessed? About four days after Christmas, things started um, exponentially rising. And so like the numbers in where we live in Georgia are more than twice the number of cases any other time in the pandemic, even last year at this time when we thought it was really bad. So on Saturday, I believe the US reached 1 million cases, which was a world record. I'm not sure it's a world record we should aspire to. But then on Monday, it went even further. And that is the absolute record. And just to give some perspective, India at its highest, the previous world record for any country was 485,000. We are over a million. So things have just skyrocketed percent positivity rates at 38, 40%. So lots of people are getting it, even people who are vaccinated and boosted. You are right in what you said, Brandon. I mean, this is a way to get herd immunity without it being this really fatal disease. 
The thing is that the only thing we have to do, which is what we were talking about in March of 2020, is wear a mask, stay socially distanced, and wash your damn hands. Like This is the same thing that brings us into an endemic, which is a whole lot better than what we've got going on now. Right. I don't know if I was as clear as I would like to have been earlier. So endemic or endemicity, you'll hear that word used and tossed around, means that the virus will keep circulating in parts of the global population for years, but its prevalence and impact will come down to relatively manageable levels. For an infectious disease to be classified as being in the endemic phase, the rate of infections has to be more or less stable across years. So I'm not trying to suggest that we're going to reach endemic status next year or next month or next week. That's going to take time. And we're also going to have to stop hoarding vaccines, which I slowly but surely America is starting to do. But that's the point where it's going to reach. And so I think it's about reconfiguring what we think of uh, COVID-19 and doing the things that you're naming, Katie, right? Like these things still work. We don't need to be a part of the population that suggests, oh, look, people are still getting the Omicron variant, even though... They got vaccinated and boosted. No, right. those folks aren't being hospitalized. And that's what we're trying to prevent, right? Correct. I mean, it's much more mild cases. And that's, I mean, that's what I know from people I know who have been infected with the Omicron variant. And I think just to kind of emphasize it, Brandon, we don't just sit here and it becomes an endemic. We actually have a part in it. Like we have to do the things like getting vaccinated and wearing masks and socially distancing. We can't just stop that right now. I ain't never stopping wearing a mask. I was thinking about that the other day again. I mean, I think you will. Well, you're a white woman. You've been wearing a mask since the beginning of the time. Wow. That took a turn. I'm sorry. I'm just too real for this shit. You know, y'all just don't like my realness. I'm sorry. I apologize, white women who listening to me that don't think you wear a mask. You've been wearing, yes. I liked your realness. I just, I, I just wasn't prepared for it in that moment. <laughs> I'm, I, I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's what she says on the air. When we get off, she cusses him out. Yeah, she gonna cuss me out. She gonna be like, you black mother... Sam, are you aware there's a global pandemic? Sam isn't aware. Sam is the pandemic. <laughs> no, whiteness is the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Been killing motherfuckers since the beginning of the time. That is a pandemic that will never reach endemic state. That's an interesting term that I don't think we plan to take. So, last week was also the one-year anniversary of the January... Of the- <laughs> don't do it. January. <laughs> it's the age of January. <laughs> in case you decide to take that out, I'm going to give you a clean edit. But if you don't, I'm totally leaving it in. What the fuck ever. Last week was also the one year anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And there were a lot of pieces being published by the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, so forth and so on. But the one that captured my attention most was um, there th- there's a three part series that I'll link in the show notes to the New York Times podcast, The Daily. And they were doing um, sort of reflections on what happened on January the 6th. The first part of that series has a fake dialogue. So they took one transcript from FBI interviews with those who attacked the Capitol and they recreated it with voice actors. And what I listened to and what I heard in the first part of this series is a whitewashing of what happened on January the 6th. This voice actor at least portrayed that this male person the FBI interviewed talked about how he didn't know what he was going to do and he didn't know that they were trying to stop the counting of the elections. They didn't know that they were going to be breaking into the Capitol. They didn't know that it was illegal. He just 
wanted someone to tell him to stop because they walked in like they were congressmen. That's whiteness. Mm-hmm. He, he, he tries to recreate history. Like there's a whole entire moment where he's telling the people that this Capitol Police officer fell down on top of him and he just kind of pushed him gently off of him. You know, it was just a misunderstanding. And then weeks after his testimony and his sentencing, which was only three months in jail, you see a video where he's actually physically accosting the officer and engaged in a physical fight. And so they're like, there's this whitewashing of what happened right then and right there in a way that's working to obscure the pandemic that is white supremacy. I mean, maybe white supremacy is in endemic status and that's why we're so used to it and not able to name it and see it when it's right in front of our faces. It's working to whitewash something that we all watched. Like we sat there and watched all of this live. That's white supremacy. But what we were watching was people breaking things and trashing things. And so white supremacy is so powerful. You can deny what you see. That's what makes white supremacy an endemic. Those of us who've taken a vaccine see it very clearly. Yeah. Those of us who've gotten boosted see it so very clearly. Mm. And those of us who don't want to see it can't notice what's happening around us and we're willing to be in denial just like the people who are saying, well, well, I shouldn't get boosted for COVID-19 because it didn't kill me. I've had COVID-19 twice. Even y'all motherfuckers that's got the vaccine, y'all getting COVID-19 now too. How you feel? Now you got government antibodies in your system. They're going to be able to monitor you. (laughs) Like, the same jokers that are saying that craziness are the same jokers that are trying to reframe what happened at the Capitol as something other than a white supremacist terrorist attack on this country's uh, most sacred, some would say, national symbol. Right. Sam, you open up a can of worms with that. Clearly. You don't have anything else to add? I'm thinking about how people like Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, bridges the conversation about white supremacy and what what we're experiencing in the pandemic when like last week he refused to even acknowledge whether he had a booster, Mm -hmm. which he probably does. But because... You know, he's trying to position himself politically so that white supremacy still reigns supreme in the state of Florida and in this country. You know, he's using the pandemic itself to score political points. It's absolutely crazy. And so yeah. when when I think about it, like he's the embodiment of the convergence of these two pandemics, uh, white supremacy and COVID-19. It, it's, it's ridiculous. They're fueling the mentality in order to keep their place. And, and that's what the Congress people who were like first in line to get their shots. Right. They're like trying to fuel these people, but they were first in line sitting there rolling their sleeves up, getting a shot. They're not stupid. Yeah. Right after Brandon. Brandon was the first. He was like, uh-uh. He heard. pushed two old ladies out of the way. Yeah, he did. Like, I promise you, it's on tape. But he walked in with a cane. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Crazy. I, thought I heard he was in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, maybe both. You know what? You know, you're just like that young gentleman who wanted people to believe that he was just an innocent young bystander in the Capitol building, <laughs> reframing history. <laughs> I'm going to find that old lady that got a concussion because you pushed her uh, out of your way. And we, <laughs> we about to create a January 6th committee uh, and, and we're going to investigate this shit. And he's already reframing it. He called you the one for reframing it, Sam. Mm, whatever. Y'all are a mess. So that took a turn that I wasn't anticipating. But the key is uh, the pandemic is going to reach endemic status eventually over the next couple of years. But we still have a role to play in ending it and or transitioning it to that category. For those of you who consider yourself people of faith or for those of you who believe you have the desire to be a good human, a good citizen of the world. Make sure you're getting vaccinated. Make sure you're getting boosted. And make sure that you're continuing to wear a mask because Omicron, Omarosa, Amarion ain't playing with any of y'all. Why you? Why it gotta be black people? Well, 
is Omarosa. She's not. Okay. I don't think She's I can not. say that. I mean, I, Katie, 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 I'm going to give you a pass. I'm going to give you a pass on Omarosa. You can say it about Omarosa because she worked for Donald. <laughs> she tried to get her ticket back to the barbecue, um, but, but we, ain't, we ain't letting her no, come. No, ma'am. So let's take a quick break and let's go ahead and take an even harder turn toward the discussion that we started having. I was planning a lighter conversation about like what we see on TV shows about pandemics and how there are all these series that deal with pandemics, Station Eleven on HBO Max, Sweet Tooth on Netflix, and the old reliable Contagion movie. But I think that we're actually in a better space talking about the pandemic slash endemic that is white supremacy and what we need to do in order to rid ourselves of this pandemic endemic slash plague, because that's the real one that fell on Egypt that day. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. Welcome back from that quick break. Now that I'm thinking about it, I do feel like that song is white supremacist. I'm sorry. I regret ever including it in the show. It's not that the harmonica itself is racist because black folks were some of the earliest and best harmonica players, in my humble opinion. It's the fact that white people took it and did racist things with it and put it to racist tunes. And so when I heard the harmonica after that part of our conversation, I felt quite offended with myself and the white people. Like, who are they singing to? Because that's clearly a white man with his guitars and his uh, harmonicas and his white children singing in the pews. Like, who? to whom are they singing? Themselves? You'll recall that that's what Sam asked earlier in the show. What did he ask? He said, who's the Pharaoh if we're having all these plagues? I'm, but, but I'm talking about in the song. He don't listen to you, Samuel. And he wrote it. I'm talking about in the song. I know. The song that we just played, the lead singer is a white man. I want to know to whom they are singing because that was a 90s worship song. I feel like white people shouldn't be able to tell Pharaoh to let the people go because white people are Pharaoh. So how is it different that you said, well, you're talking about like who the Pharaoh is when Sam said, I just got one question, dot, dot, dot. If it's a 21st century version of the plagues, dot, 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 who is Pharaoh? How is that different than what you're asking now? Come for him, Katie. Come for him. No, so Sam, do not support her. This is white missowing dissension between us. You're right. That's a good point. It's not. You stole what he said. <laughs> I wrote what he said. Oh. I wrote the shit. He can't steal it. And then you couldn't remember and we it. we both black, so we family, so he can't steal but it because it's ours. I didn't, just, I didn't it's not ours. remember it. I was confused because you were so in dissension. Oh, okay, fine. I lost. Now, if you had a stole it. It would have been something else. If you had started, I would have been like this white woman stealing my shit again. Well, <laughs> uh, what's that nigga's name? Who is it? Kevin McCartney? What's that? What's the minority leader's name? Kevin McCarthy, not McCartney. Katie McCarthy. Katie COVID McCarthy. Wow. <laughs> you are an ally. To- <laughs> Katie, Katie McConnell. Uh, <laughs> that is not nice. <laughs> oh, I would not. Uh, uh, I can't wish McConnell on nobody. It's not. Katie, you better than that because you got COVID. We're going to be so nice to you. 
<laughs> and this is what this is this is what I don't understand. Like, how is Betty White dying and not Mitch? How? How? Why Tutu and not McCarthy? God could have gotten how? so many people. I mean, the Queen did oh. do Megan very bad. If they were going to take a ninety-year-old woman, just saying. Why? Why not the Queen? Literally, she's been the Queen for eighty years. She's she's run her course. Oh God, you you got to get work on your aim. <laughs> So as we're preparing to turn our attention to invitations for this week, I am curious, since we did take this turn about white supremacy being a pandemic endemic, I wish it were as simple as getting a vaccine. Like I wish there was something that we could shoot in people's arms that makes them realize that they're white supremacists and that heals them from it, even if it provides temporary immunity. And But what I know that the vaccine symbolizes, for me at least, is even if we did have a vaccine for white supremacy, you would still have to go back and get booster shots every year, every 10 weeks, every two weeks, every two days. It might be a daily vaccination or a daily pill you have to take because it's going to return and it's going to morph. And there are so many variants of white supremacy that are all around us, but we seem to still not have a strategy for ending the pandemic. The problem is it's not a quick fix. I wish it were, right? It's about developing relationships. I don't think you have a vaccine for being able to develop deep interpersonal relationships. You know, in Zimbabwe, I'm not going to go there. Was it funny or serious? I mean, they basically got rid of all the white people and took all the land and gave it back to the black people. And by get rid of, in some instances, it was a, it was not a diplomatic. So you're back to everybody has to die? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not want anyone to die, especially white people. Good white people have given us some of the best things in the world. That was a very appropriate pause. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, did he mean this? I think this is a real question for me is just, and maybe it's just going to have to be a future episode. We've already been going at this one for nearly an hour, if not more than an hour at this point. And so it's, we try to keep it under an hour for you all who drive to work for those long ass commutes as opposed to still working from home because it's a pandemic. But I want to sit with that question for a little while and maybe come back to it in a future episode. If Mm. indeed white supremacy is a pandemic, then what is the vaccine? What is the equivalent of wearing a mask? What is the equivalent of getting a booster? What is the equivalent of social distancing? Like I try to social distance myself from white supremacy all the time. I've refrained from being affiliated with organizations and people in the past because they had too much white supremacy in their system. And that impacted me. Like when I sit inside of an organization, an institution that is white supremacist, there's no way, even if I'm doing my reading, even if I'm doing my studying, even even if I'm working to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that stuff gets in my system. It gets in my psyche. It gets in my spirit and it informs the choices that I make on a daily basis. And what I'm committed to in 2022 is making sure that I social distance myself from white supremacy, whether that's six feet, six uh, miles, (laughs) six states. Like whatever it takes, I can't get close to it because I know that it's going to impact me if I breathe in that air. That's my personal strategy. And it doesn't mean that I can escape it. White supremacy is just as pervasive as the Omicron variant. And so social distancing alone isn't enough. I also have to put on a mask. And that mask might come in the form of making sure that I'm in community and in relationship with people who can call me out or call me in when I adopt white supremacist frameworks in my life. Which you have often done. Which one of them is being your friend. Katie, for you who aspires to be a woke white woman, I would say that sitting with me and Sam is like a vaccination for you every time we come into this recording studio. Well, I mean, that's what I was talking about in terms of like, how do you get a vaccination? What I know it to be is deep personal relationships with people so that you can share your dreams, your struggles, and you can hear that. So yes, 
this experience in workplaces where I've been the only white person. And so you're able to see things that you haven't understood before. Like I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking about Blackish. I wonder if I would have heard the show the same six years ago as I do today, because there's something about being in relationship. So yes, this is a vaccine for white supremacy. Just the conversation is, as are those times when you point out that I've said something ridiculous. But it doesn't always feel good, right? So if be like Pfizer and Sam might be like Moderna or we might switch roles. I'm Moderna. I'm more potent. But the thing about it is you have to also think about the efficacy of the vaccination that you're taking. Right. Right. Like it's not just go pick a black person. Right. One, because we're not here to do your work for you. Period. Point blank, period, full stop. You got to do some work to prepare yourself for that. And if you were in a relationship with a black person who is like Clarence Thomas, he can't be your black friend. That's that's like taking AstraZeneca. You're going to be so susceptible to white supremacy when you get done with Clarence Thomasina. Mm-mm, that ain't it. And I think I think a vaccine for white supremacy is more than I think it's multiple things. Right. I think it's uh, anything that disempowers white supremacy and, and the people that represent them. To, you know, I know Katie's pastoral, so it might be like these real authentic relationships and friendships. But I also think about the quote that King has. And I know you hate him, Brandon, but uh, he says, you know, the law can't make someone love me, but hopefully it can keep them from lynching me. And so in some instances, it's more than the, it, it is that authentic relationship that we work towards, but it's also understanding and calling out the evil that exists within these structures and making sure that they don't continue to do harm. And however, we disempower these structures and the people that represent them. That's also a vaccination. Yeah. Well, and I'm not talking about that like kumbaya relationship, right? I mean, I know people talk about that and then they talk about the person who's sitting next to them at work or in a class or something. But I'm talking about the ability to wrestle and to call people in and to be able to say, that's not okay. And and in whatever we're talking about, whether it's ta- we're talking about white supremacy or life in general, it's that depth of authentic relationship. It's not some superficial, um, we are such best friends. And it's going to hurt sometimes. You might be sick for two days after the fact. Yeah. It might feel a lot like you got white supremacy still because you didn't realize that white supremacy was killing you. So now when you get the antidote and it's causing you pain, you think that you need to run away from it. No, that's actually healing you. Sometimes the healing journey hurts. Mm-hmm. So that's my challenge for today. I will go into invitations after this. For every listener to think more intentionally about what vaccines do you need for white supremacy in your life? And how are you going to make sure that you have the proper dosage and that you have access to the boosters that are necessary? I mean, I'm sorry, this is a tangent, but I listened to another podcast that was interviewing Nicole Hannah-Jones and it was one of the most beautiful podcast I, episodes I've listened to in a long time because it highlighted the fact that Nicole Hannah-Jones has been talking about the 1619 Project for years. And it's one of the most well-researched historical projects that we've seen in the 21st century. And Donald Trump and Republicans are working to actively ban the book in school systems. They are trying to ban it from being taught statewide. There are states who already have laws on the books that prevent schools that receive public funding from teaching the book. That's a vaccine. And in the same way that Republicans are working to obscure the fact that vaccinations work, they're working to keep folks from the resources that would actually help them be transformed by the renewing of their mind. I could go on about this topic for days, but we've come once again to the end of another service here at the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for All the Saints and the Aints. This is going to be next week's episode, so don't send me no email saying that I cut it off right when it was getting good. Sam and Katie ready to go. 
<laughs> but before we go, as the faithful among you know, we like to end every episode with a few invitations to life and life more abundantly. Sam and Katie, what y'all got today on the first pod of the new year? So I, I want to go first today because uh, I just remembered that, that there's something that I thought we were beyond addressing. Um, but I'm learning based on a lot of posts and videos and people from Brandon's neck of the woods. Don't do it, Alabama. That we are not beyond this. It's Happy New Year, not Happy New Year's, not Happy New Year. It's, it's Happy New Year. Leave that S out. We're not going to keep doing this. And, and people say this every year. I see people post Happy New Year's all the time. Y-E-A-R apostrophe is. It's because you're from Nashville. I, it's the New Year's. That's possessive. That's possessive. So you saying... What is it possessing? I'm being sarcastic. I know the difference. <laughs> it gets on my nerves too. So what's the invitation? I want to invite you all to pick up a grammar guy or call your first grade English teacher if you live in Nashville to tell them you are a disappointment and you never paid attention in class. I am tired of this shit. This is ridiculous. Are you done? <laughs> yes, I'm done. <laughs> I nah, I changed my mind. I'm not done. It's uh, take. I can't. This can't be stressed enough. New year, happy new year. No s, no new years. Okay, I'm done. I'm done now. You big mad? You big mad? I feel like this is anti-black. I feel like I don't see many white people posting Happy New Year's. I feel like this is very anti-black, Sam. I if I feel like people should be entitled to put the apostrophe s on there if they want to. And you can just forego their post. I didn't know this is where our invitations were going today. Um, <laughs> I've seen you get big mad about lots of things, but I have never heard you go big mad about where apostrophe lands, but it's all good. It's all good. I don't do New Year's resolutions, but my invitation for you and for me and for us is to spend time again finding center Finding that space where you are your authentic self. Fake it till you make it is so 2021. You've got to find that place that makes you alive. And so my invitation for you is to spend time breathing, sitting with the holy or the spirit, friends who make you laugh, and remember who the you that is you is. That will be the best thing that we can do in 2022. Jesus, please make it stop. You're trying to say, please make it stop what I was saying? Yes. You sound like a damn uh, <laughs> commercial for a spiritual retreat or something. At least it wasn't an English grammar class, but carry on. <laughs> hey, Brandon, what's your invitation? I've already given that. I want y'all to sit there and think a little bit more. I want everybody to sit there and think a little bit more about what it means to interrogate white supremacy. And think about the parallels between the pandemic that is COVID-19 and the pandemic that is white supremacy and how we can end both. I don't want them to go to endemic status. I want them to be ended. And I don't want to wait till the end times to get there. We got to kill them off and kill them dead. In the spirit of that, killing off and killing dead, I have an invitation for God. This is taking a turn. Yes, I know. Y'all looking at me like, Sam, he inviting God? It's like the bench, except he's talking about the Grim Reaper list. Go ahead. All right, invitation for God. <laughs> God, I need you to get your aim right. <laughs> God, I need you to take out the right people. And if you need a list of who they are, um, I got one. I got, I got a list for you, God. Get your shit together, God. <laughs> get your aim right. You're starting this too early this year. I'm I'm just saying. I don't know if I disagree. <laughs> I wouldn't have put it in those terms, but, uh, you know, when you're right, you're right. 
We'll be back next week, same time, same place, with a conversation about either what to do when heroes die or more reflections about January the 6th or something else we come up with. But it'll be great, I promise. Just come back next week, same time, same place. Until then, peace, peace. out. Peace.